Welcome to the Defiant Podcast. The internet of money is being built with blockchain technology and without banks. We call it DeFi, short for decentralized finance. And this is where you can hear the builders and users of this cutting edge world tell their stories firsthand. I'm your host, Camila Russo. In this week's episode, I interviewed Dan Elitzer and Clinton Bembry, who are part of the founding team of YAM. YAM Finance is an experiment in rebasing cryptocurrencies, token incentives, on-chain governance, a DAO-like treasury managed by token holders. And it's also testing the power of the emoji and opened the floodgates to meme-based DeFi tokens. Dan and Clinton tell me the backstory of how this crazy project was created, how the group loosely coalesced in a chat group, and from there, it was just 10 days until launch. They talked about how their project blew past all their wildest expectations and about the absolute terror of having hundreds of millions of dollars flow into the unaudited code they pushed into the world. They talked about the bug they found right after the launch and how incredible it was to see a community that didn't exist days earlier rally to help save Yam. The only reason why their project exists, they say, is because the community's response was so strong. It's unclear what exactly the takeaways from projects like YAM will be, whether it's the gamification of finance, elastic supply tokens, the power of incentive mechanisms, or all of the above. But whatever it is, the measure of success is that something that initially looked like a joke will likely end up having a lasting and profound impact in DeFi as a whole. Before we get to it, here's a word about our sponsors. Perpetual Protocol is a DeFi platform for perpetual swaps. Traders get up to 20x leverage with guaranteed liquidity. Stakers don't have to worry about impermanent loss because of their virtual automated market maker. Find out more at perp.fi. That's P-E-R-P dot F-I. Multis is the first ever bank account for companies who want to run their business on crypto and traditional currencies. It has a multi-signature wallet which allows teams to store their assets with access controls, earn interest on their crypto, and streamline payments. I went through the demo myself, and the UX is super user-friendly. They'll soon be launching fiat-friendly accounts with cards and wire transfers, so companies dealing with fiat and crypto will need multiple accounts in different places. Go to multis.co, that's M-U-L-T-I-S dot C-O, and sign up to start a free 30-day trial. Listeners to The Defiant can get a priority onboarding by the multi-CEO when they enter The Defiant podcast on the 30-second sign-up form. So go check it out. Hack Adam 5 is the Cosmos online hackathon. And Inter-Blockchain Communication is a flagship interoperability protocol that has been in development for the past two years. It will be launching in the Cosmos network soon. So... Join Hack Adam 5, a two-week virtual hackathon, to use the IBC protocol before it is launched on mainnet and be among the winners who will take home $50,000 in prices, valued in the Cosmos staking token Adam. Hack Adam 5 is coming soon to a dev post near you this October. Visit 5.hackadam.org. That's F-I-V-E dot H-A-C-K-A-T-O-M dot org. All right, um, so here we are with Clinton Bembry and Dan Elitzer. They are co-creators of YAM Finance, the 
one of the first meme-based uh, yield farming projects in DeFi. Um, I'm super excited to have you guys on. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Defiant Podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so this project is really crazy. I think, you know, it was um, one of the first projects in, in kind of the second wave of, of DeFi's yield farming craziness that kind of really pushed the limits and, you know, people started to question, what is this thing really? Like, are we at the top of the bubble? Like, do these things have any functionality? Like, you know, I think there was like a before and after uh, in DeFi with um, first like Wi-Fi and then YAM and then there was this huge explosion. So I obviously will definitely get to talking about all of that. But before we get there, I want to know more about kind of the very early um, days of, of YAM. And, and even before that, just, you know, get to know you guys first. Um, what are your backgrounds? And also if you can uh, tell me about uh, the backgrounds of, of the other uh, co-creators of, of YAM and how the team came together. Um, yeah, whoever wants to start first. Sure. So um, my name is Dan Elitzer. I used to be at, uh, I was one of the founding team members for IDEO Colab Ventures, um, which uh, is a, a venture fund out of IDEO, which is a big design firm. And we invested in crypto and blockchain related companies. Uh, I've recently left there and working on a new fund, which we'll be talking more about soon, but um, just been pretty deep down the DeFi rabbit hole for the past couple of years and um, got together with Clinton and then our the other co-creators of Yam, uh, Brock Elmore, Trent Elmore and Will Price. And we had just been like kicking around some ideas and uh, obviously just very deep into DeFi and were inspired by seeing Ampleforth. Um, mm -hmm. And just I, personally, at first, I thought it was pretty stupid. And then <laughs> as, I, as I saw it like being used, more realized how interesting of a mechanism this actually was with the rebases. Um, and we were all very inspired by uh, Wi-Fi and how that was both distributed and then grew and uh, was very active in the compound um, governance process as well. And mm -hmm. obviously I think the whole space has been very inspired by that experiment. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of uh, were kicking around some ideas and uh, just thought about combining some of these different pieces together uh, and thought it would be an interesting experiment to try. And it, it really was an experiment. It was meant to, to be very, uh, very short time from concept to, to, um, launch mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just can't say enough good things about, about this team. Uh, Clinton and I had collaborated on, on a couple things previously, but I hadn't really worked with the other members of the team before. And it was just really incredible. Even over this short, um, kind of 10 day time that we were, we were working on this, uh, everybody got their hands, uh, involved in, in a lot of different pieces of the concept and how it came together. Clinton was just an absolute wizard doing all the front end stuff, which has then turned into the template that is being used by like all of these different mm -hmm. yield farms. Yeah. And Brock, obviously just incredible, uh, doing all the substantial smart contract development. Um, and then, you know, Trent and Will and I helping a little bit more with strategy and communications and um, other things. Mm, okay. Yeah, you did a pretty good job summarizing all of that. I'm just a little background on myself. Um, mm -hmm. I've been 
building products in the blockchain space for the past three years. And so when Dan gave me the call and was like, hey, you know, we got this interesting experiment we're working on in the DeFi space, but we need someone to come in and help out on the branding, look and feel, that sort of thing. I was just like, hell yeah, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> and now we're here and accidentally created this template for fair launch projects, which was really fun to see. So how, like, how was, like, who was the one who kind of rounded up this group of people? Like, were you already talking about this, you know, kinds of projects in, in um, a, a chat group? Like, just interested to, to hear more about how, kind of the backstory, you know, because it just felt like it came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, like nobody uh, knew that there was this team working on anything. And then out of a sudden, like, there was this, like, yam emoji everywhere <laughs> <laughs> well to be fair it did kind of come out of nowhere uh seeing as we organized maybe 10 days before launch i think so it it wasn't you know very premeditated but I'll yeah kind of i mean we, we i think some of us independently had ideas for some of the kind of core mechanisms in this mm -hmm. and so uh will and i were talking about it and then i think he was talking with brock And then we all hopped in a, a chat together. And of course, you know, Trent joined too. And we were like, oh man, this is great. But like, who's going to do the front ends? Like Trent could kind of do a little bit of some of that stuff. And then I was like, Clinton would love this. And, and, and he, he did. And so, uh, and he's just an absolute wizard. So, um, you know, he, he came and joined us and uh, yeah, it just happened really fast. I think we didn't, the plan wasn't to have an emoji at the beginning. The The name came initially was just inspired by YFI and Ampleforth. Mm -hmm. um, and so put them together like Yample. Oh, Yam. that's why. Yeah, that's, that's where it came. And then, and then saw like the yam.finance domain was available. And I think it was, I was like a day or two in that someone was like, hey guys, there's an emoji. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like that, I mean, obviously that ended up being a very powerful piece of it, but it mm -hmm. wasn't like premeditated. Oh, that's so interesting. So the whole thing roughly took 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. From like when we said like, hey, this is, this would be a fun idea. Someone should do this. Mm, why, why don't we just do this? Um, to when it actually launched was, was literally 10 days. That's amazing. Okay. And when you say this is a good idea, what exactly was this? Like, what was the in initial idea behind YAM? I think at the core, it was the idea of having like a, a rebasing uh, currency mm -hmm. that uh, was building a treasury as, as it, as it grew, if it grew at all, that, that it would build a treasury to kind of create some kind of floor potentially underneath it. Um, and then to do it fully, fully on-chain governance from day one. Mm. And I think that was what was also, I think, really cool about it was that a lot of other projects launch with meaningful administrative control. And even if you might technically refer to some of these things as non-custodial, like the administrative control effectively makes a lot of them custodial in the early days. And we didn't want to do that. We wanted to see, could it actually be governed in a decentralized manner from launch. Mm -hmm. And so we never at any time had any administrative privileges over the contracts. The instant the first tokens were minted, already governance control was in the hand of token holders. And so mm -hmm. that, that was a big piece of the experiment too. And then all the other stuff in terms of what it became, like what people want to do with it, like 
that's all but on the community. And I think we've been pretty surprised at, at some of the directions that it's been taken. Yeah, it's definitely been interesting how, you know, start off as one thing, but for a lot of people, Yam is something entirely different. You know, a lot of people see it as just this meme coin. Once you peel back the layers of, you know, the gamification of it and the memes, there's some pretty cool mechanisms underneath that let you do some pretty cool things with it going forward. So it's, it's going to be really exciting to see what the community proposes and kind of how it uh, just evolves going forward from here. Now that we finally are uh, live with the relaunch and it actually works this time. <laughs> right. Okay. So we'll get into all of that. Um, but first, you know, because a, a, a large part of this experiment was based on Ampleforth, can you guys get into, you know, what actually a rebasing uh, cryptocurrency is, um, like how Ampleforth works and, and also, you know, what the difference is with, with Ample. I mean, you, you mentioned some of these pieces already, how um, you want it to be, you know, 100% like governed by uh, this on-chain mechanism and 100% kind of community owned and controlled. Um, but yet, if you can get into like the more specifics on what this actually is, like this rebasing currency and what the differences are with the previous ones. Well, so uh, the way to think about rebasing currencies, like they're, they're really weird and hard to understand. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the best explanation that I've, I've seen for it is where something like Bitcoin has a fixed supply, but a variable price, what rebasing assets attempt to do is to have a fixed price, but a varying supply. And so the market cap expands and contracts with the supply, but the price is attempting to find eventual price stability at a target uh, for in individual units. Mm -hmm. And so that's just really weird and it messes up price charts and other ways that people think about mm -hmm. like tracking these things. Um, but it has this really powerful psychological effect that tends to um, make it be able to drive up and drive down very rapidly. And so one of the ways that, that YAM is different from Ampleforth is the existence of this treasury. And we just had the first rebase, successful rebase with, with the new launch of YAM um, about an hour ago. And the rebase ended up contributing uh, $571,000 in YUSD into the treasury. Mm. And so that, you know, every time there's a positive rebase, that will grow. And so, you know, that potentially has the effect of creating some kind of baseline um, in there, whereas Ampleforth is not trying, there's no treasury um, and there's no governance, right? Uh, Ampleforth is explicitly governance minimized and there's nothing backing it. Here there is something backing it and <laughs> extreme governance. And whether or not we actually, or Yam is able to find a fixed price is yet to be seen, but that's why it's an experiment, so... I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Makes sense. And so what's kind of the the purpose of having, so I, I understanding the, the mechanics, you know, when, when these rebasing currencies are above their peg, um, then supply is, I guess, like taken um, out of the market. Um, added to the market above the peg. Added to the market above the peg um, to push it down. Um, and then the opposite happens when the, the currency is below the peg. Um, 
so okay understanding those mechanics then like what's the purpose of having something like this yeah i i think it, it's if you i think the ampleforth team has done a good job on some podcasts and i know joey krug and some others have talked about it as well um i mean they're trying to be uh kind of like useful thing for debt and i i don't honestly i don't fully understand it it's one of the reasons why i found it interesting was that the first few times i'd seen it i dismissed it and i was like this seems useless which was the same reaction i had to bitcoin early on um was that this seems really really silly um but then the fact that it elicits such strong responses in people i think is in itself valuable um because it it just forces people to reevaluate how they're looking at it and how they're thinking about it and mm-hmm. while my initial conception of yam was ample forth with a kind of treasury to act as like a floor on it that's not how the community has seen it they've seen it as more akin to like some kind of dao that's managing a treasury and mm. happens to use rebasing as a way to bring more funds into the treasury to deploy it in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think, you know, it, rather than explicitly like selling tokens to people who are interested as a way of kind of pulling in capital to a treasury, it's just automatically pulling in capital as there is more interest in participation in this organization. Mm, got it. Okay. And what happens when, um, the, the rebase needs to add tokens to to the supplies that taken from the treasury as well. Like, where does that come from? No, it's just automatically oh, uh, expands. Every, everyone just finds oh, okay. they suddenly have more tokens in their wallet than they did previously. Mm-hmm. But ten percent of that new issuance is essentially issued to the treasury and then used to buy uh, currently YUSD out of the Uniswap pool, and so that pulls it in. Um, but uh, so effectively, there ends up being an actual like ten percent that goes into the Uniswap pool as liquidity, plus everybody else um, who's holding it get, gets an extra. Yeah, it might, it might be worth diving into the incentivized pool a little yeah. bit more. I found that to be a really interesting mechanism. Dan, you'll do a much better job of explaining it than I will. So I'll let you take that one. Oh, the re- the reason we have the incentivized pool, I think a lot of these yield farming projects have different incentivized pools. Some with reason and some without. Mm-hmm. Um, we really need an incentivized pool for YAM or or YAM really needs this incentivized pool because it's to target that price, you need an Oracle and to have it be fully decentralized. Like we we wanted to use the Uniswap uh, TWAP Oracle, time-weighted average price. And so we need a pool to pull it from. It needs to be sufficient liquidity to be able to get that. Um, And then we also need a place where if we're gonna be building this treasury, need to know that there's gonna be some depth of liquidity there so that those treasury purchases can happen um, mm-hmm. at a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. And so by incentivizing that liquidity pool, there's the uh, hopefully assurance that there will be sufficient liquidity there to make those purchases. Now, this is going to be, this is one of the many, many things that token holders can now adjust. And so if, if token holders say like, hey, we need more liquidity there, they could try increasing incentives. If they think there's we're over incentivizing because that's certainly a lot of projects I think over incentivize mm-hmm. the liquidity that they actually need, then they could lower that. Um, it's it's all tunable via governance. But but I think that pool does serve a very important purpose in the protocol. And YAM itself 
I don't really know how it would function in anything resembling its current form if there weren't at least one incentivized pool. And so right now that YUSD YAM pool on Uniswap is the only incentivized pool that, that you have? Correct. Uh, there is one other pool that is safe to use and that like it handles the rebases properly, mm -hmm. which is the YAM ETH Uniswap pool, uh, but that's not uh, currently incentivized. Got it. Okay. Okay, so let's see if I can kind of summarize YAM accurately. Um, so, okay, so YAM is a um, currency that um, rebases, that expands and contracts its supply to reach its peg of, target peg of $1, right? Currently, technically, it's one YUSD. One which is, YUSD. Which okay. is $1.20, but that, that could be changed, right? You could change the right. peg to be like, one BTC or like one ETH right. or whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, this crypto expands and contracts its supply to reach its peg of currently one um, YUSD. Um, and as a result of, of these um, rebases in its supply, the, 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 the YAM that is um, purchased to, to get to that peg goes into a treasury and that treasury is then um, managed by the community of YAM token holders. Um, and at the same time, um, another piece of, of, of this is that there's a pool of liquidity on Uniswap, which um, is used to provide a market to, to buy YAM in, in these rebases and to provide a price, um, a decentralized oracle for the target peg. Very close. The one <laughs> adjustment I would make to that is that um, it, it's not trying to accrue YAM into the treasury. Mm -hmm. um, when the rebases happen, and some new YAM is minted for the treasury okay. that is immediately used to buy YUSD oh. out of the Uniswap pool and pull that into the treasury. So the, oh, okay. the treasury is trying to hold YUSD, not hold YAM. Okay, got it, perfect. Um, and why, why did you go with YUSD at first? High yields. <laughs> um, it, it's this, it's this, it's, it's a very kind of high yield stable coin. It's uh, the, uh, curve like uh, Y, the Y curve pool, uh, mm -hmm. which is a composite of four different stable coins. So it's earning both fees on the trading of those stable coins. Each of the underlying stable coins is a composite that's hopefully generating yield. And then it's earning uh, curve rewards on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so the Wire Vault uh, that we're using, the YUSD Vault, essentially periodically takes all the curve tokens that are accrued and sells them and reinvest them. Mm -hmm. um, so you end up having this currently very high yield um, thing that's you know roughly, uh, or it's US dollar denominated at very least. So that's, right. Makes sense. Uh, we, we thought it made sense. It has created some issues, I think early on with adoption because there isn't a lot of YUSD circulating. Mm. We're in a very high gas price environment. It's come down a lot in the past day. And it's been harder for people to kind of get into YUSD than, than we had anticipated. Mm. Uh, but the community is already proposing a number of different way, tweaks to that, including potentially moving to like USDC or something else for the pool. And then having, doing the wrapping mm -hmm. and converting to YUSD within the treasury itself. Mm. Um, 
the fact that there's now an ETH YAM pool that is safe to use. People can provide liquidity there, so people come in via ETH. There's a number of different factors um, trying to to solve the same thing, which is that as cool as we think YUSD is, it's currently not super easy to use. Yeah, it's not the most user-friendly. And trying to describe how to get YUSD in the manual process that can go into it uh, kind of highlights that. Mm. But I, I think, you know, and maybe this isn't possible, but I feel like one way we could, the community could change YAM is having it market by during these rebases from multiple pools and then the treasury doesn't just have YUSD, it has kind of a basket of assets that it gets. Yeah. And although on the usability front, shout out to Zapper. Um, mm-hmm. they, they've got a great tool that kind of massively simplifies the process. Because the process involves going into the the yearn pool to get YUSD and and then uh, add liquidity to the YUSD YAM pool, basically. Well, you need to get, first you need to go into the Y pool on curve to get Y curve, and then you deposit Y curve into the Y vault, and then you get YUSD. Mm, uh, okay. And so it's not super straightforward, but then Zapper kind of lets you do that all in one transaction, I believe. Okay. Yeah, so you can go straight from ETH or DAI or, or whatever straight into YUSD, and it like handles all the stuff for you on the back end. It might cost you five hundred dollars in transaction fees, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but it's only one transaction. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you need to do lots to to make it count. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why um, increased like, liquidity yeah. can can help too. You know, for some people, it's it's significantly cheaper to like trade like ETH for YUSD or something like that. Mm, okay. Um, okay, and then the point, obviously, as you mentioned, is having this really high yielding asset in the YAM treasury, um, which you know leads to the question: What is this treasury used for? I mean, I my guess is okay. Governance will tell you know the community will vote on whatever they want to use the treasury for. But what's what's kind of the um, the early ideas? Like, what, what do you think? Uh, would be a, a good use of these funds? Well, 1%, the community voted during the kind of um, kind of interim governance period before the new audited contracts were launched to give 1% of the treasury to Gitcoin grants. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's already happened, right? When this first rebase happened, uh, you know, uh, about $5,700 were donated uh, to public goods funding for Gitcoin. Oh, um, cool. And so mm-hmm. every time there's a positive rebase, more funds will go to fund public goods, um, and so that's I think that's that's awesome. Um, the funds that are still there, totally up to the community to decide what to do with it. Um, there's already been a lot of interesting proposals in both the Discord and the and the governance, the longer form governance forum. Um, I think it's gonna be really hard for <laughs> to determine what that's gonna be, but hopefully it's it'll be used for interesting things to either fund external projects, fund things built on top of YAM, fund more audits, fund people to work on it. Um, you know, it's it's really very open. And so that that is what's the experiment about this, right? There isn't some hard path that we're like, this is what the treasury is for. Everyone must use the treasury for this thing. Like Clinton and I and Will and Trent and Brock like have no more say in that than, than anybody else. Um, yeah, it's interesting how each of these DAOs, the communities as a whole have kind of a unique personality and each one, you know, may decide to do different things. And so far the YAM community has decided to, you know, help fund 
public goods, which is cool to see. Uh, and going forward, you know, who knows what it's might very, come from it. Yeah, it's been a very pro-social community. Yeah. Right? Good vibes, wholesome. And I think some of that goes back to the branding. Yams, you know, this whole yield farming thing, I feel like it is very almost grassroots vibes to it. Um, but it's been it's been a wholesome community so far, which yeah. has been nice to see. Um, so I'm looking at the, the price of, of yam uh, now, like an hour after the, the, the first rebase, and it's at around six, uh, close, close to seven. Um, so I guess like, will, will the target to one happen in, in a second rebase? Like how, how yeah, so will it work? Every 12 hours, correct me if I'm wrong here, Dan, but every 12 hours it'll rebase and if we're if the price of yam is still above one YUSD, then it'll issue more yams and theoretically drive the price down. And so, uh, you know, over time, it's expected that it would return to that one YUSD peg. And then, if it drops below that, then you know the supply would contract and hopefully drive the price up. Yeah, the way the way it's working is it's not trying to issue enough new yam every rebase to directly drive the price there. Mm. It's trying to do it on a more gradual basis. So I think it tries to get like 10% of the way there each time, roughly speaking. Um, But, you know, or it it kind of, it says like, let's divide this over 10 periods and move it. And so each time it's just trying to get a little bit closer. Um, So. And after the first rebase, the scaling factor is roughly 2.5. So if you had 10 yams before the rebase, now you have 25. Uh, but then the price is it reacts to that as well. It's so crazy to think about kind of having a a cryptocurrency that um, where where the the price you know moves to to uh, according to a target, but where you actually get more more crypto in your wallet when when the tri- the price drops. Yeah. So I don't it know. It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. It's when the price is above a dollar and you're getting issued new yams, you, I, me personally, I kind of feel like I want to hold on to it, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm getting more and more based on how much I hold. But I usually, generally so far, it seems like the price uh, reacts appropriately to the rebase and your the dollar amount of your holdings theoretically shouldn't change. What's going to be really interesting is when there's the first negative rebase, right? Because Ample has had negative rebases. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so, you know, when you've got, if the price goes below the peg and you're like, uh, now I'm, suddenly you've got, you're going to with like less, the price is below the peg and you've got less, mm-hmm. uh, like that, I think that can be, that can be scary. And that again, can drive things down as rapidly as, you know, the, the reverse drives things up. Um, and so I think what will be interesting is to see, um, how does this behave compared to ample or other things that don't have, um, a a kind of treasury that's also attached to them, and mm. does that affect um, how long it stays below the peg, and can it can it uh, help stop some of that downward spiral? Mm. Uh, I I don't know. I think that's part of the experiment to see if that if that has an impact. Because it, it's, I guess, like that's that's the risk that you know you get to a point where what if people just like start selling and selling. Um, and, and you can never get to, to mm-hmm. one, to, to the target again. Like if, if you're below the peg and you have 
fewer yams or like fewer or whatever of these yeah. rebasing currencies and you just everyone starts selling and like panicking yeah well in in theory right um right now there's five hundred seventy one thousand dollars sitting in the treasury mm -hmm. um you wouldn't expect the market cap for yam to go below five hundred seventy one thousand because at that point like why wouldn't all the yam holders just like use governance and vote themselves like dividend out Mm -hmm. everything that's in the treasury. Um, and, and if that's the game theory of like, oh, at this point, people would do that. If you think that there's some possibility of a positive rebase, which would then draw more funds into the treasury, it should never trade down quite to that level. It should mm -hmm. always go above it. Um, and, and every time it goes down and then goes back up, uh, like, so let's, let's, let's say, you know, I'm just completely detached from the actual numbers, right? Like pretend that all of yam is at like worth like a hundred dollars and then it goes up to, you know, a thousand dollars, uh, in there that would, that should build up a, about $90, um, in the treasury, um, mm -hmm. because it's, it's kind of moved up, you know, 10% of the game it's gone in. It goes back down. Let's say it, it bounces off. $10 or sorry, bounce off a hundred dollars again and goes back up to a thousand. Well, now, now there should, you know, be like, you know, uh, uh, $180 in the treasury. So, you know, it, it has that interesting effect where like every time it like reachieve, if it goes back down to the bottom and like reachieves the high, it effectively has doubled the treasury during that time. So that's, that's an interesting thing. And so I'm, I'll be curious to see, does the bouncing happen? Also, there may be spending out of the treasury, right? Which may affect that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. really hard to know. There's like a lot that's interesting to theorize about. And I think what's so cool about what's happening in crypto and DeFi specifically is that we're able to try these experiments and see stuff that like economists have theorized about mm -hmm. for many years and just say like, okay, how does it actually work in practice? Right. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, and okay, so I want to go back to kind of the the very early launch uh, and and this kind of community that that rallied around Yam. Um, it, it really felt like this, like very like almost zealous group of people uh, who were instant kind of Yam enthusiasts and and were you know participating in governance and making proposals mm -hmm. from like the very early days um would love your thoughts on you know how you lived through that like were you expecting something like that um and why do you think it happened yeah i would say there was definitely a lot of energy building up within the DeFi space in general and so uh, you know if it wasn't yeah maybe it was going to be something else but i think it was just the right timing for something like this to happen. Personally, though, I did not expect this to be as big as it was, especially on day one of launch. I thought it was going to be some fun little experiment that some people puts, you know, played around with and saw, you know, how it worked. But very quickly, I realized as you know, the Twitter account, Twitter follower account was blowing up and people were depositing an insane amount of money into the contracts that this, uh, was going to become something much larger than I think anyone on the team had anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, look, we're, 
we're not dumb. We, we did think that this, we wouldn't have spent our time working on something if we didn't think it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it was at least an order of magnitude, like bigger, more attention than, than we realistically expected. Um, I think Colin's right though. Like it was like the Twitter, the Twitter attention to it, um, in just that, that brief window between when we announced it and when it was live, it was just like, Oh, this, we may have misestimated, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, how, how excited people are going to be for this. Yeah. And I think as we saw the number, uh, or the total value locked, I guess, of the funds deposited into the contracts grow, uh, you know, it hit a million and I thought that was pretty big. And then it hit 10 million. And, uh, at that point, uh, I was like, okay, this, I thought maybe that's like, was going to be the extent of it, but then fast forward a day and I, I, our peak was somewhere around $750 million worth of crypto deposited into these various farms, uh, and you know, unaudited contracts, which we were very upfront about and very upfront about it being high risk and experimental, but it was, yeah, pretty insane to see. It was, yeah, it was, it was exciting, but it was also like terrifying. Oh, yeah. But I think the, the one thing that like gave me a little comfort was that most of that, those funds were just in the synthetics, like uh, forks of the synthetics mentor contract, right? So they weren't in, in any of these pools. We've seen a lot now since Yam is a lot of these things having these um, staked liquidity pools where they've got like some newly launched token plus ETH or something in there. And it's like, if the newly launched token goes goes to zero or like something happens, then like all the ETH or all the other assets paired against it are like gonna get drained. And we didn't do that. The only one we had with that was the ETH Ample pair. Well, actually even that was like kind of external to our system, right? So all of these things sitting there, it's like if the synthetics minter contract was broken, there would have been a lot bigger problems in the ecosystem mm-hmm. than, yeah. than Yam. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, although the headline numbers were really big and, and really scary, um, the actual like amount of funds that ultimately got locked in the V1 contracts and, and stuff were very small. Um, and so I think, you know, hopefully was it hopefully that this the ecosystem will kind of like learned something from that and like give them a little more caution, but like the past month is kind of indication otherwise. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I I think, uh, you know, for, for having a significant bug in a smart contract that grew so quickly, uh, things could have been a lot worse, um, than they ended up being. So what was your, like thought process when when deciding to just you know launch this um without doing any audits or or tests like did, did you guys discuss this was this like a um a thought out decision yeah i mean we we talked about it but you know there was no company we didn't raise any money um we we did it really intend it as just like a, a little experiment um and like we weren't going to shell out 50 or a hundred thousand dollars out of our own pockets to like audit something. I think, you know, in retrospect, like we probably should have told a few people a little bit more about this and like seeing if we could have like gotten donated funds or something, mm-hmm. um, fair, you know, fair launch capital, which, you know, you're familiar with and hopefully your, your readers and viewers are familiar with that too. Mm-hmm. I think emerged as, as a response to this in a way to kind of help solve 
this dilemma for teams that wanted to launch something but didn't have a built-in business model or anything to it. And so therefore no reason to, um, you know, spend a lot of money up front on it. Uh, mm. But we, we talked we talked about it. We, if we had any idea that it would have gotten as big as it did, like absolutely we would have gone with the audit. But I think it's also a challenge um, in the industry right now, right? There's, there's not a lot of qualified audit firms. They are massively overbooked and they charge very high rates. And so it just creates this insanely high threshold. Um, and so I don't know what the answer is in terms of going forward. I think, you know, some projects can do things like guarded launches. We consider doing a guarded launch and like putting caps, but realized if we did that, there was the possibility that like a couple whales could come in and just like fill everything up to the caps. Mm-hmm. And then it's no longer fair. It changes um, the experiment up a bit when yeah. you do that. And I'm not going to say that there's nothing uh, I would change if I could go back and change things about the launch, but I do feel like all things considered, uh, it could have been a lot worse. And it was the story of VM is very interesting as a result and the way that the community rallied uh, in those crucial moments to try and save VM and the, everything that unfolded there uh, was quite the experience. And so, you know, going forward, maybe it's easier to get audits now for these fair launch projects as a result. And so I'd like to think that some good things came from that. So can you talk about kind of what you mentioned, what you alluded to right now, um, the bug and um, what unfolded after? Like, so Mm -hmm. I I can just imagine kind of launching this project that, you know, hadn't even been on your minds 10 days uh, prior then suddenly getting up to $750 million in funds in like the different um, contracts and then finding a bug, like mm-hmm. yeah, how, so the, how was that? The bug was actually very simple. It was, we just forgot to divide a large number by another large number. And as a result, uh, the first rebase, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but the first rebase minted just an ungodly amount of VMs. I think something like a trillion cubed of yams to market by uh, what we were using. Uh, we were using a different stable coin for V1, but the excess, the, that pool allows for up to 10% slippage. And then after that, the excess yams get deposited into our governance contract. And so all of a sudden trillions of yams are added to the governance contract. And now there's no longer a way to reach quorum for these on-chain proposals. And as a result, uh, governance was more or less black holed. Uh, and you know, there was a point in time where, you know, we broke the ether scan UI. If you multiplied the total supply by the price of YAM, the YAM was the most valuable asset on the planet of earth, <laughs> uh, which was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Screenshot that. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So that, that, that was, that was the bug in a nutshell it was like, there was um, missing, missing division there and it made it, Un- ungovernable. Um, and, uh, it was, it was a terrible, terrible feeling. Um, mm-hmm. like went from this, like kind of euphoric, but nervous high to being like, Oh no, what do we do? And just like, um, kind of going into this mode of just like, okay, what do we do? How do we, how do we fix this thinking we'd found a solution to fix it? Um, but that it would require massive global coordination to get everyone to buy in and like delegate and do something that actually 
was not in their short-term economic best interest to do. Um, it was, it was like an actual, like kind of like real life prisoner's dilemma. Um, and then seeing the, the community just like rally and make it happen was incredible. And then we just got like the other dagger was like, we passed the threshold and then realized that due to the same issue and like kind of like a second order effect that we hadn't understood that even though we'd gotten to that threshold, it still wasn't going to work to save it. Uh, it was just, it was, man, it was, it was yeah. crushing. It was genuinely heartbreaking. And, but you know, before that, the fact that this community didn't exist two days prior and everyone was able to come together and coordinate and get the proposal passed on such short time notice was, you know, at the same time was uplifting. And then even after uh, everything unfolded, the way that the community rallied behind it to make a V2 happen, there was a get a Gitcoin grant that went up to fund an audit for V2 and V3. And within an hour, we had it fully funded and everyone was rallying behind each other to get to get this thing underway. And, and now fast forward a month and some days and we've just relaunched or we've replanted yams <laughs> and hopefully this is the, the final version, but yeah. And, and to be clear, like we, we, we would, would, would have been like, this was an experiment didn't work. Like the reason why the extra effort went into like doing another audited version and getting it out there was because the community response was so strong. And so um, as terrible as we felt about like having the bug and having that problem, we felt like the right thing for us to do would, was to fix that as best we could in as transparent a manner as possible and just get the original intended experiments back on track. And what it becomes from there is, is completely up to the community. But um, we, we really wanted, we, we thought that if the community was so strong and took such action and they wanted this thing to, to exist to work, we kind of owed it to them to, to get it back on track. I think that was like so incredible to see. I mean, I remember obviously kind of covering it for, for the Defiant and, and writing about it. And it was just like, yeah, this group of people around this token and project that didn't really exist a couple of hours or, or days before is, is totally kind of getting behind this project, voting, um, and then funding this Gitcoin grant. Um, what do you think was motivating that? I, I think it was, it was the, the distribution mechanism, right? We now kind of take for granted that there's all these new projects launching with like all these different farms, but Yam was the first one to do that. And that was not, I think, part of the original thing that became, was like through the interaction of this group that we're like, okay, well, actually just doing what um, Wifey did and just distributing to stablecoin holders just really advantages folks with a lot of a lot of like US dollar capital. And we thought this is a crypto project. We should really incentivize the different crypto communities and the stakeholders in those communities who are both communities like um, Wifey and uh, Ample um, and Comp that, that kind of inspired mm -hmm. us, but also who you know have experience with governance and, and showed some interest in this, like the synthetics community and the maker community. Like we thought folks would like get governance and would like be interested in this experiment. We wanted to pull them in. And so I think that attempt to knit together these various um, communities within DeFi um, and get them involved. I think that's, that was very inspiring and it was, um, 
I think why people were so excited and, and wanted to be a, to be a part of this. Yeah, definitely. I think it's very common in crypto f- for tribalism to run rampant, but I think what Yam did was brought a lot of different communities and ecosystems together. And it was, it was awesome to see. And since then, lots of other projects, you know, we've got every, I think every single vegetable and food is dot finance has been taken <laughs> uh, as a result. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun too. It, I think Yam's really tapped into the fun side of, of DeFi. Hmm. Yeah. Clinton's front end. I mean, I've never seen a front end like go so viral. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy. That was totally unexpected. When I was making yeah. it, I was, it, I thought, and if you look at, well, actually don't look at the commit messages, but uh, <laughs> everyone's going to look, but it, when I was you know, designing it initially, I tried to go for something more serious like compound, but then it occurred to me as, you know, that our, our coin is called, named after a vegetable and maybe it's, you know, the logo is an emoji. Maybe let's lean into this a little bit more and gamify it to some extent, make it fun, make it uh, approachable for more mainstream audiences uh, and, but it was really, you know, I didn't expect, I guess, I think we have like 250 forks of the, of the oh, repo really? now. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> had I known that maybe I would have put a little bit more time into, uh, <laughs> making it more readable, but actually I did do that for this relaunch. I made, uh, the front end, uh, easier to fork and easier to rebrand for whatever food or emoji you would like. Oh, uh, Clinton's eyes were bleeding seeing how some people <laughs> were using it. He was like, let me make this so it doesn't look so bad elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was it was really incredible to see just like the, the same, you know, design everywhere else. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, clones and clones of, of Yam. But it, it's true. It, it was, I think, because it was just like playful and, and fun to see and, and, and to use. Um, so... Okay, so going forward, are you are you happy with kind of the the Yam version that that is out today? Like, is was this kind of the initial plan? And if if it is, like, are are you kind of stepping stepping away and kind of leaving it all to the community, or do you ex- expect to still be involved in the development going forward? Not much has changed from V one. It really is a relaunch with a few minor tweaks that were voted on during V2 governance. And going forward, I would love to contribute in ways that I can as another community member, but I don't think of myself as like a leader of YAM. Um, I think YAM is very decentralized in spirit. And so I'd like to be, you know, one small piece of that going forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think similarly, I, um, you know, to the extent that I can be involved in governance discussions and stuff like that, you know, I'd love to hop in and participate. Uh, but it's certainly not my my full time focus. Um, I, I'm kind of just another community member at this stage. Uh, other members of the team, I think, are, are figuring out too, like what level of involvement they would like to have going forward. But the intent was not to have a like core team that was continuing development on this. It mm-hmm. was to um, get this thing out in the world and, and, you know, see what would happen. Um, and so, yeah, some of them may decide to be involved. Some of them may not, may not, um, it's, it's all very open. Um, 
And so, I mean, we've talked about all the the copies of, of YAM and kind of the explosion in DeFi that, that's happened since. Um, what are your thoughts on on kind of all the, the food tokens and, and meme tokens um, since then? Because it's, you know, I think there's there's a lot to 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 praise and to criticize. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, some of the um, common criticisms is, you know, these things aren't really serving any any actual purpose. You know, they're just like made to to yield farm and people are pumping and dumping these tokens and it's just this like continuous cycle of speculation. Um, at the same time, you know, they are kind of experiments in in kind of building community and trying out uh, different kind of governance mechanisms and the different, you know, uh, token mechanisms. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, what are your thoughts? Is it kind of, do you see it as a net positive or, 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 or maybe like where, what, what's kind of the, the end game? Like where is this going? Because I see it as kind of, we're in this transition to something else. You know, the, these are a bunch of experiments that will lead to something. Um, so yeah, I guess like that's a big question, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great question. And I want to preface with saying, I don't know where this is all going to go. And while the food coin media mania probably got a bit out of hand, I do think there was a lot of energy there for a reason. And later on, it might take a while, but we'll look back and, be able to point out what were the individual characteristics of this recent movement that uh, actually have some value to them. Mm. And, you know, whether that's the gamification of finance and making it fun and usable for anyone, or if it's this elastic supply dynamic, uh, you know, it could be any number of the things that are going on, but the space is iterating so quickly that we're collecting a lot of data points. And I think that's generally Good. Obviously, there's some scams and some rug pulls and some not so great things that happen along the way. But uh, at the core of it, there's there's usually something valuable there. And I think we saw that uh, in the previous bull market with ICO mania. And, you know, there was a lot of good things that happened there and a lot of bad things that happened there. And then a few years later, we've iterated on that. And it's, you know, we've kind of kept the the good things and left the bad things behind. Yeah, I, I think that's that's spot on, right? There's what I think it's showcasing is the power of some of these incentive mechanisms. Um, and hopefully we can then take these incentive mechanisms and apply them to things that are going to be long-term useful and meaningful. And I don't want to say that there's nothing here that is long-term meaningful and useful. I think some of these things, including YAM, have potential, um, but it's going to be what what people make of them. But now that we've seen in the wild kind of how some of these incentives work and the kind of behavior they can drive, uh, if you're thinking about building something that that is really has the potential to be a meaningful open financial primitive, you'd be crazy not to look at some of these incentive mechanisms saying, how can this help me solve some of the early bootstrap problems? How can I actually like build this protocol, build sufficient liquidity, um, and, and start making things usable. And I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of what's been going on in crypto. I mean, I, I've, I've been focused on, on like crypto since 2013. And mm-hmm. I, 
was in microfinance before that. And so I was very interested in how can crypto actually become financial infrastructure for billions of people around the world. And I think the answer is like, you can't jump straight to there. Even today, you know, seven years later, you can't jump straight to there. But by using some of these mechanisms and experiments on these things that feel very game-like or toy-like, um, we're learning fast, we're iterating fast, and ultimately it's going to help us build something that is much stronger, much more robust, and really can expand out and be globally useful and valuable financial infrastructure. So for, for teams building these uh, like next generation of DeFi or, or just like even fintech um, projects and, and companies, what what lessons would you tell them or what would you tell them from, from your experience in, in building YAM? From my perspective, I would say make it usable, make it fun, uh, make it digestible. And uh, I think certain things like, uh, you know, using emojis as our, our logo and our icons helped a lot by making it reproducible. And, you know, you don't have, no one's messaging us, asking us for our SVGs to like put our logos places because it's just an emoji. And so I think just reducing friction for people to adopt and use your product or protocol uh, and then, you know, making it an enjoyable experience from my perspective, you know, there's a lot of different things to take away from here, but for me, that's, that was the core piece. Yeah, I think that's that. That's one piece. I think uh, a big piece is just like test, 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 um, audit whenever possible. There's like no such thing as like too too much auditing or too, too much care. Um, but also, uh, when you you launch something, uh, always have a game plan. I mean, I don't think like again, it was a short term. We didn't have a very well thought out like scenario plan, but think about like, what is the upside scenario and like, how are you going to respond if it like just goes gangbusters? And then also think about like the downside scenario where like, if something's wrong or if nobody uses it, like, what are you, what are you going to do in that? How are you going to respond then? I think having gamed out some potential scenarios before launch is a very valuable thing to do. Um, and shout out to friend Derek on the future swap team. Um, he, he, he was giving a talk, uh, to some folks earlier today, uh, emphasizing those, they, they really learned, learned the, that lesson too. Awesome. Okay. And then to, to wrap up, like, where do you hope to see Yam, um, I, five years from now, or even a year, I don't know, like what's the right timeline for these questions in, in DeFi, you know, <laughs> things change so much. <laughs> Uh, for me, I, I mean, it's kind of kind of a joke, kind of serious, but like success for Yam is um, if you start typing in like the emoji search and you type Yam and it actually pulls up that emoji rather than needing to type sweet potato. <laughs> I think that'll, that'll be success. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if the community persists and uh, finds ways to create value out of this system and out of whatever treasury it manages to build, um, you know, if it's still if it's still around in five years and people are still, you know, even a few people are still talking about Yam and actively involved, I think that'll be a huge success. Um, but even just like people learning from it, right, and saying like, ah, this is what we took away from this, and we mm -hmm. used it in this way in our own project. Um, you know, I will feel very good about that. Cool, Clinton. Yeah, I I would like to see 
more developers get involved, more people jump in, especially on the front end and uh, really have fun with it and make it into something special. And I'd like to see the YAM community maintain some level of wholesomeness and good vibes uh, because that's been a big part of it to date. And so keeping that going forward would be awesome to see. And it would just generally be cool to see that this thing still exists a year or five years or maybe even a hundred years from now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been so interesting. Um, I think it's, you know, just, I, I'm sure we'll be talking about it uh, because it, it just like, like I said, it, it feels like it, it came with this new wave in, in DeFi that marked up before and after. Um, so really awesome to hear the, the backstory and, and thinking uh, behind uh, this crazy experiment. So thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. And before we close, here's another word about our awesome sponsors. Perpetual Protocol is a DeFi platform for perpetual swaps. Traders get up to 20x leverage with guaranteed liquidity. Stakers don't have to worry about impermanent loss because of their virtual automated market maker. Find out more at perp.fi. That's P-E-R-P Multis is the first ever bank account for companies who want to run their business on crypto and traditional currencies. It has a multi-signature wallet which allows teams to store their assets with access controls, earn interest on their crypto, and streamline payments. I went through the demo myself and the UX is super user-friendly. They'll soon be launching fiat-friendly accounts with cards and wire transfers, so companies dealing with fiat and crypto will need multiple accounts in different places. Go to multis.co, that's M-U-L-T-I-S dot C-O, and sign up to start a free 30-day trial. Listeners to The Defiant can get a priority onboarding by the Multi CEO when they enter The Defiant podcast on the 30-second sign-up form. So go check it out. Hack Adam 5 is the Cosmos online hackathon, and Interblockchain Communication is a flagship interoperability protocol that has been in development for the past two years. It will be launching in the Cosmos Network soon. So join Hack Adam 5, a two-week virtual hackathon, to use the IBC protocol before it is launched on mainnet and be among the winners who will take home $50,000 in prices, valued in the Cosmos staking token Adam. Hack Adam 5 is coming soon to a dev post near you this October. Visit 5.hackadam.org. That's F-I-V-E dot H-A-C-K atom.org. I'll continue to interview all the major founders and influencers in this emerging space. When DeFi eats the world, you can say you heard them here first. Tune in next week.